You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. I want to start off the show by saying congrats to Ryan, um, who had his baby daughter yesterday. Been a long-time listener and supporter of the show. I was actually just talking to somebody uh, the other day about the first time. You know, now it's somewhat more regular when somebody reaches out and says, hey, I like the show. Ryan was sort of the OG of that, back when I was kind of just talking into the mic and I could see numbers saying, yeah, people listen. It's like, oh, all right. But I didn't know if they were listening and laughing. I didn't know if it was just other podcasters just checking in to be like, all right, does he still is he still terrible? Yep, yep, still garbage. He's not a threat. I didn't know. I had no idea. And Ryan jumps on Twitter and lays out this big, long thing about how good he thought it was. And I, I was it's like, I, I think I read it like 19 times, showed my wife, like printed it, put it on the fridge. No, I didn't do that, but... But anyways, he's been around a while and uh, pops in every once in a while just to to let me know that he still likes the show, which is good because when I don't hear from him for a while, it's like, oh man, I'm not good anymore. <laughs> but uh, congrats on that. Supposedly, they're working on getting that retroactive 12 weeks of parental leave. I think you're a federal employee. I'm not sure. But they're working on it, and hopefully you can get that. Not necessarily because it's a good idea, but, you know, the more time you can sit around and listen to the Packernet podcast, the better, am I right? Also, I'm a federal employee, so I <laughs> I want it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyways, welcome to the show. I would like to jump right in with a question I got from Cam from Indiana. And it's a question that I'm kind of used to getting, but I'm going to answer it very differently than you're probably expecting. Here's the question. I read an article pertaining to trading for A.J. Green for Lane Taylor in next year's third round uh, pick, presumably. Any thought on that? Yeah, I have a thought. Let's just do it. That's my thought. Let's, you know what? Just do it. Now, if I were to do kind of the, the same shtick I usually do, it's number one, they're not going to trade A.J. Green. Number two, it's too expensive, we can't afford it. Number three, A.J. Green is 500 years old and the Packers don't want that. Number four, the Packers don't want to give up a third-round pick. They value picks way too much. And a third-round is a little too early to give up for a guy that we're going to have for maybe a year or two. And all that's pretty reasonable. But at the same time, number one, I just want to hear people stop complaining about wide receiver. I really do. And, and it's not just the complaining aspect. I want other people to get on board because some people are starting to come around. Like, all right, look, it's a new offensive system. It's not exactly what gets me going, but... We're going to do it, and maybe it'll be good, and we'll see how it goes. And you know what? Probably will be pretty good. You know, we're going to be good at running the ball, and hey, it works for the 49ers, and you know, yeah, we're going to be good. It's going to be a good year. But going out and getting A.J. Green would get a bunch of other Packer fans on board and probably shut up a lot of people. Pardon my French children. Didn't know that was French, did you? Well, that's why you tune in. Actually originated in uh, Thailand but was perfected in, in, uh, in French. They kind of topped it off. Anyways, um, I'm, 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 I just... And, and here's the other thing. It's not unreasonable to say they didn't do enough to help Aaron Rodgers, right? You can't get away from the fact that your first-round pick did nothing to help us this year. That's true. 
So while I've been kind of banging this drum about, well, we've been moving in the direction of helping Matt LaFleur to build a team that he needs, that's fine, but you don't have to get a quarterback that's going to be two, three years down the road. That's not about building for LaFleur in the now. That's kind of just doing whatever. It's something else, but it's not doing what a lot of people are criticizing the Packers for, and I can't necessarily refute that. And then in the second round, you get a running back. Granted, you need one if you're going to get a workhorse back and you don't really have one unless you're good with Jamal being that guy. But still, you're looking at the picks going, gee, we, you know, golly willikers or however the, whatever the kids are saying these days. I don't know that it's enough. And the funny thing is, the team is enough. The only thing that's going to make this go from this team is horrible, they're never going to be able to compete, I can't believe this, this is just the worst, to this team is a top-of-the-list Super Bowl contender is a wide receiver, which kind of goes to show the faulty thinking a little bit. But I really believe this would do it. I believe if if we went out and got A.J. Green, and I don't, I'm not talking about go out and get a wide receiver. No, I'm, I said A.J. Green because there's not a lot of wide receivers out there that actually are going to make a difference. And yes, I, I do believe and I have believed for a long time A.J. Green has still got it. I don't know for how long, but I don't think he's taken a step back at all. Now, you got to be concerned about a guy that was just injured that's 31, you know, it's kind of like the stories you hear about when you get older and you break your hip, it might just be a broken hip, and it's like, oh, it'll be fine, you know, broken bones, whatever, but usually that's not a not a great sign for your longevity, just saying. Could be one of those things where he got hurt, he's 31, maybe this is kind of the end of it all. But he has shown no signs of slowing down, and I believe he's got at least another year in him. And I also have said, I mean, let, let's put it this way, it's not a matter of if, well, there, there is one if, but if he is as good, if, if he doesn't take a step back, he is a number one wide receiver. He is potentially better than Devontae Adams. I mean, you know, it, it shouldn't even be necessarily without, with, with, why am I struggling so hard with sentences today? Whew, gotta slow down, back it up. It shouldn't be that hard to even argue that point. Again, assuming he hasn't taken a step back as a wide receiver. So many people are probably going to want to dispute that because A.J. Green, you know, and, and again, we, we tend to focus on the now and we forget things. But A.J. Green has been one of the best wide receivers for a long time. And again, if I, if I am correct that he hasn't really taken a step back in his career, I'm not saying definitively he's better than Devontae, but it's a pretty close battle between two top ten wide receivers. Either way, the question is gone. Now, there are some negative people that are still going to be complaining. Either they're going to complain about A.J. Green, oh, sure, you get a washed up, blah, 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 because whatever, that's what you want to do is complain, or you just shift it. Well, we didn't do anything. What about defensive line? We didn't do anything about that. We got a bunch of undrafted free agent, wannabe, bum, garbage, not going to actually help. What about linebacker? Kirksey's always hurt, and nobody else, and he didn't do anything. But in terms of maximally moving the fan base into the, all right, I think I think this is it. And, and actually being sort of an all-in move, because again, I don't disagree. They haven't done any all-in type stuff, which I think is just a consequence of the situation we're in. Last, we know Gutekunst is willing to do it. And I think if we had $60 million in cap space, as opposed to what, 20, we probably would have done some more stuff. But we have to get a tackle, we have to get a linebacker, we have to get all these different things with almost no money. This is kind of what, what Gutekunst felt was the best case scenario. And the fact that we didn't necessarily go all in in free agency because we couldn't, and we had to get 
more important positions than wide receiver, like tackle and linebacker. Tackle because it's more important and we don't have one. Linebacker because we literally just have nothing there. Plus, there's just not that many wide receivers. I mean, there were some, and I would have preferred Bashad Breeland, but they feel Funchess is the guy, especially for the cost, which was a great price. By the way, that's another reason they're not going to do it, is because, again, I genuinely believe they feel they've satisfied wide receiver the same way they feel they've satisfied right tackle and linebacker. They didn't go out and get Kirksey, Wagner, and Funches so that they can later go out and find somebody that's actually better. So again, th- this is with 99.9% certainty this will never happen. And a big part of me says, good, fine, that's great. Because again, you know, a third-round pick, as much as the Packers are terrible at drafting in the third round, for a guy that we're going to have for maybe one or two years... It's not great. However, same token, we're only going to have Rodgers for maybe one or two years. And as much as I'm excited about the potential of Jordan Love, he might be terrible. And it might be five years of of really terrible Green Bay Packers football until we can find a replacement for Jordan Love. And there's no telling how long that could take. Even if we get another quarterback, they might be garbage and the next one might... We've seen teams go into that cycle I don't know how many times. He's not good and then he's not good and then we go and go... And it's first round pick after first round pick after first round pick, meaning we're not getting other positions in the first round, which means other places, other areas of our team are deteriorating. It's a horrible, vicious cycle. So essentially what I'm saying is this would be an irresponsible move that I would absolutely sign off on, partially because it is somewhat of an all-in move, which I think is, is important when you're this close. And partially because I'm just tired of, of hearing about it. It would just be a, all right, we got him. Let's, let, can we move on, please? And actually, he's, and, and here's the other issue. A.J. Green is, uh, well, there's a lot of problems. Number one, he just signed a one-year deal worth $17.8 million with the Bengals. They're not going, well, man, there's so many reasons they wouldn't trade. I'm trying to just work my way through this. I don't know who wrote that article, Cam, but don't read their stuff anymore. They just signed a A.J. Green to a $17.8 million contract. There's no way they're going to trade him so that they can go get a backup guard and a third-round pick. That's just never going to happen. Beyond that, he's not actually 31. He's technically 30. He's turning 32 this year. And even if we did trade for him, we don't want to pay him $18 million. We don't even have $18 million to, to pay him. Well, maybe, I don't know what we get after trading Lane Taylor, but basically we would be at zero. Once we get rid of Lane and the rest of our money, we'd be at close to zero. So the, the way that we would have to handle this is take 32-year-old A.J. Green and offer him a new contract. It doesn't say what his guarantees are, so it, it, I'm guessing there's a decent amount of... Maybe there's no guarantees. If there's no guarantees, then this is simple. But but again, the Bengals also just got a quarterback, and they're trying to... How are you helping this new quarterback, Joe Burrow, by getting rid of A.J.? It just... It's never going to happen. But but in, in a broader sense, let's just call A.J. Green a placeholder for this mythical wide receiver that's out there that we can get for Lane Taylor and a third, whoever it might be. You know, maybe we can get uh, Julio for Lane Taylor in a second. I, you know, even though Julio's locked up for many, many years over in Atlanta. It's never going to happen, but yes, I would be okay with it. Because I, I think to some extent, you know, Ted Thompson was the ultimate. It's a spectrum, right? On one end, you are ultra-conservative and ultra-responsible and that was Ted Thompson. We do not spend a lot of money in free agency. We are very protective of our draft picks because that's you know how you build a football team is through the draft, and that's all about the future. And we never want to overextend because there's that fear that if you you know try to swing and hit somebody with this massive haymaker, you're going to get countered and knocked out. And so he's kind of just tucked in and throwing jabs. And while you're not getting knocked out, and you might technically be winning the fight, you're probably never going to knock this guy out with a jab. 
And that became the problem with Ted Thompson, especially when your jabs start getting much softer and you're not even really hurting the guy anymore and you can't land punches. On the other end, you just don't care and you swing wildly. And this is kind of the, the fan way of being a GM, which is spend all the money on every big name guy at every big position we need. All right, if we have $20 million in total and I really want a wide receiver, we'll spend $20 million on the top wide receiver and call it a day. That's fan GMing. And then if we decide we want somebody else, we'll just cut somebody and then sign somebody. You know, it's just it's just the most wild. Everything is about this year. Never focus on the future. By the time we get to next year, we have no picks, no money. We've signed these ridiculously massive contracts because we go out and sign every big-name person we can find. And we maybe have one or two years before this thing falls apart, and we have 10 years of trying to fix this cap and everything else because we've caused a nightmare for ourselves. That is the worst thing you can do. But I do think it's important to try to you got to go in at some point you got to risk it right if we shift the analogy from boxing to poker you know if you if you actually watch poker these guys it's a lot of conservative play it's very slow i mean when you watch it on tv it seems like it's going really fast this is hours and hours and hours and hours before finally they they kind of get that hand the right hand at the right time with the right situation with certain people having other hands and it just kind of plays perfectly and this is the time you you take the risk but if you don't take the risk you're not going to take the pot you're never going to win that bracelet or whatever you're never going to win the whole thing unless you are aggressive unless you take massive risk calculated but still big and so i don't mind overextending and doing the technically irresponsible thing once in a while but the list of available wide receivers that we can get for Lane Taylor on a third that are actually going to be about as good as A.J. Green or worth actually doing it are slim to none. It may be none. Maybe there's somebody. I don't know. But I know it's not A.J. Green. Anyways, why don't we slide in a little break here. Again, please make sure you check out the Packernet Podcast Facebook group and join, uh, like, whatever, the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. I know some people are still, I, I keep getting comments that they can't see any of the links, they can't find any of the links. I'm really not sure how to how to fix that. <laughs> I put it in the description of the show. Um, I guess if you need something, if you want the number, if you want whatever, just reach out, whatever, Facebook, Twitter, however. Can't reach out via the phone number if you don't know it. But, um, yeah, that, that's, all I can, that's all I can do. Otherwise, a five-star iTunes rating and review would be greatly, greatly appreciated if you don't have or use iTunes. Stitcher is also a viable option. Don't even need an account. Otherwise, let's take a little break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So there was an article a while back, about a week ago or so, talking about 
the Packers believe Darnell Savage can play in the slot. So if uh, this is one of those situations where if you don't read the article, you might get the false or, or an incorrect impression. The concern is um, by some people, and one of the things I want to dispel is the idea that he's going to be moved to the slot. That is going to be, he's going to be moved to corner essentially. That's not going to happen. And I haven't really seen it, but what I don't want to see after you know three weeks of football in which the corners are struggling is the comments from the fans saying, why don't we just move Darnell to corner? In general, I can't stand that kind of stuff. Just as a general rule. The idea that it's really easy, right? We should move Rashawn to defensive tackle. We should move this, you know, Kevin King should play safety. Darnell should play corner. Funches, I'm sure, before long is going to be a tight end. And Sternberger is going to be a wide receiver. DeGuara is just going to be a fullback. Dylan's going to be a fullback. I mean, it's just, just all this stuff all the time. He is a safety. He's primarily going to be a safety. However... I do think with Tremont likely not coming back at this point, they're starting to look at different options. And I think Darnell Savage actually is a very good option. Again, not as a corner, as a safety that comes up to play in the slot, maybe a lot, I don't know. I think he has the skill set and the versatility to actually be pretty effective in that area. And so this is going to be a situation where, depending on what the Packers are doing, as well as who the opponent is, they're going to be mixing and matching quite a bit. The interesting thing about it is he already did last year, so it's not really even a question, right? It's not as though because we don't have Tremond, we might see Darnell more in the slot or, or, you know, starting to be in the slot, whereas before he was just a safety. And it's not as though they're going to move him from safety to corner exclusively. Fact of the matter is, if we look at his snap breakdown, 485 of his snaps he played as a free safety. The next highest number of snaps that he played was in the slot, 230 times. He played 221 times in the box, which is to say strong safety, linebacker, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. PFF doesn't break it down in terms of necessarily prediction or position. They just call it box because he's still a safety. And you can stand in the box as a safety. You can stand in the box as a linebacker. A lot of people, different people can stand in the box for different reasons, doing different things. But for our purposes, we'll call him a strong safety. He was in the slot more than he was in the box. He was also out wide 21 times and along the defensive line 21 times. And this this is common as well. I think we get too much into these boxes in our mind. When you are this position, you are this position only. These guys play all over the place. Now again, the versatility is there, but that doesn't mean we have to actually switch their position. right? We don't have to call him a corner. He's an extremely talented defensive back that's going to be used all over the field, and maybe we'll see him more in the slot with Tremont being gone, especially considering his unique skill set. Very quick twitch, lots of speed. The only reason we're not going to move him full-time to slot is because we also would really like that skill set to be our free safety. We want him to be our Earl Thomas, the guy that plays, you know, he can play single high safety if we need that. And so the question was posed, well, if Tremont's gone, who in the world is going to play in the slot? Well, the fact of the matter is a lot of guys... Adrian Amos played 123 snaps in the slot. He can do it, too. Jair was there 76 times. Kevin King, 53 times. Chandon Sullivan, 145 times. In fact, that was his primary position, which, if, if you want to know who has the most, the highest likelihood of being a full-time slot guy, it might be Chandon, who, as I mentioned, was a pretty good football player for the Packers. But, again, the, the point of bringing it up partially is to try to get out in front of any talk about how we're going to switch um, Darnell's position. 
No. Secondly, though, is to not get too boxed out in our own thinking of we had a slot corner, we don't have a slot corner, now we have nobody that can play slot corner. No, we got a bunch of guys that can, and a bunch of guys that will, and, and depending on, again, the opponent, the situation, whatever, we're going to mix and match whoever we feel necessary. Now, is there going to be a full-time guy? Well, yeah, we're going to have a guy that is primarily the slot guy. Again, if I just off the top of my head, maybe I'm just missing somebody, Chandon kind of makes the most sense to me. Because Jair, as much as he would be great at that, we want him on the boundary. Darnell, as great as he would be, we want him free safety. Amos might be a decent option, but again, we want him to be a safety. Chandon is kind of the guy that is in line for a promotion, again, that I think would be, that was a very good football player, that I think has the ability to be a starter. I mean, we'll see what happens when we give him full-time responsibilities. But, I mean, if we just look at the best game he played all year, which was also one of the games in which he played the most snaps all year. I think it was the second highest most he played all year was week five against Dallas. 37 snaps, 29 in coverage, and he played primarily in the slot in that game. Two targets, two receptions, and a pick on 29 snaps, 29 coverage snaps. So I think he's a capable football player. So I'm, I'm really not that worried about it. As much as I'm a big Tremont Williams fan, and I think he was massively underrated, at the same time, when you do have young up-and-coming guys, and you also want to see what Kadar can do. It's, it, again, it comes down to just being responsible. You know, you'd love to just keep Tremont as long as he's the top guy, but at some point you got to get rid of a 37-year-old corner and say, look, we, we got to start relying on some of these other guys. They don't have as much experience. They don't have as much ability as Tremont, but we got to start utilizing him. we got to put him on the field and, and, you know, trial by fire, sink or swim. We can't keep limping this along here. I don't know how much of that was a question or on your radar, but there you go. I did get a, uh, a question here as well as a link to an article from Connor about Kamal Martin. Now, I've, I've basically not dedicated much time beyond our first three picks in terms of looking at them and trying to find the bright side and be optimistic about them, but I think Kamal Martin might need to be the next on that list. Now, again, no matter how many positives I can find, the odds are extremely stacked against Mr. Kamal Martin. The number of fifth-round pick linebackers that go on to be absolute studs are about as close to zero as you can get. Again, the second round is just a... a, a you don't have to take a linebacker in the first round because the second round is where most of the top linebackers get taken anyways. But there's also a massive drop-off after the second round. And you get all the way to the fifth round, it almost doesn't even matter the position. So, I, you know, I, I'm willing to put on the rose-colored glasses. Because it's the offseason, because it's fun, let's find the upside, let's recognize that it's not impossible that he's a good football player, so let's not write him off. He could be very good, but I'm not going to be ignorant to the fact that it's just very, very unlikely that he's going to be um, super great. However, let's also acknowledge the other side of this. This kind of is the A number one linebacker on the team, in a sense. The Packers are probably not 100% giving up on Oren Burks yet, but he is about a half his foot out the door already. If he doesn't take a gigantic step, he's gone. Christian Kirksey is 27, which isn't the end of the road necessarily, but when you're 27 and you get a very small contract because of your giant injury history, my guess is this isn't the Packers' plans for the future at linebacker. And that leaves Kamal Martin and Ty Summers. Ty Summers, I'm assuming, is not really ahead of Kamal Martin in the minds of Brian Gutekunst. So there are options. There are possibilities. Maybe Christian Kirksey is a phenomenal linebacker and we just re-sign him and we keep him for the next three years, whatever. Maybe Oren Burks finally takes that step in year three and he's just good to go and it's Kirksey and Burksey and we're rocking and rolling. 
But in my mind, Kamal Martin kind of is the plan for the future at this time. So I don't even think it's necessarily impossible that we see a lot of Kamal Martin. Again, granted, a lot of that has to do with the lack of faith I have in the current linebackers on the team. But essentially, the the question or comment I got from Connor was that I know you weren't high on Martin, but have you looked at the film before the season when he was healthier? He has a chance of seeing snaps this season if he outplays Burks, which is a great point. And again, I don't doubt that he can outplay Burks. Now, I think the interesting thing about it is Gutekunst is going in a little bit of a different direction. And it could actually work to Kamal Martin's um, benefit. It's hard to be Oren Burke, to be that linebacker that not only needs to be able to play the run, but can run and cover, which is very hard to do. I don't know how much of that Kamal Martin is going to be expected to do. And when you simplify things and you don't give him much competition and you say, listen, we're going to put a guy next to you, maybe, it probably might even be a DB, whatever, but when you're out on the field, your primary goal is going to be to stop the run. And he's already very big and he's already very strong and he's going to get some coaching to learn some tips and tricks and techniques or whatever. I don't think it's impossible for... I think he might be somewhat situational. But for example, on on third and short, I don't think Oren Burks is going to be on the field. I think Christian Kirksey and Kamal Martin make much more sense. And so I guess the point is, I think he's going to have an easier job of transitioning because there's not going to be a ton on his plate. Not to say he's never going to be have to cover because every linebacker is going to be manipulated into covering. As soon as they see you walk on the field, teams are going to be looking at you saying, we got we to gotta get this force, this guy to cover one of our guys. The offense is the one that dictates that. Unless you're sending him on a blitz, he better be ready to cover. And to answer the question directly, Connor, no, I have not seen him before his injury. I understand that there was a this article that he said essentially was from his coach talking up how great of a player he is. And the fact that he was playing at, you know, maybe 80% after his injury, which, again, part of the problem is, and this is the same thing I did with Jordan Love. I watched maybe one game, maybe two games, and I got a general feel and moved on because I don't know who the Packers are going to draft. I watch a game, I move on. I watched a game of Kamal Martin. And there are several instances of somebody saying, hey, can you go back and watch this one? And I really, really liked it. There are also instances of me really, really liking people going back and watching and going, I don't know what I liked about him so much. Depends on the game, depends on a lot of different things. So yeah, with Kamal Martin being next on the list of people that I need to actually spend a little bit more time looking at, I will try to be more deliberate in looking at before his injury to see if there's anything different. And there is reason to be somewhat optimistic, especially since we're getting away from the Oren Burks types a little bit, getting a much more physical, violent player, even though that's not as much of what the NFL typically wants in a linebacker anymore. And it's not even really what the Packers want in a linebacker anymore. They are helping to address a major issue, which is stopping the run. And we had linebackers that just were really struggling, especially in that area. And as much as, you know, sideline to sideline speed, like guys like Oren Burks have, is important, stuff that I don't think necessarily uh, Kamal Martin has, it wasn't as though the Packers were only getting beat on these big outside toss plays. That's not the case. They were plays straight up the middle, in which the linebackers just getting blocked out of oblivion, the, the defensive linemen are getting blocked out of the way, and the guy just runs all the way back to where the safety's hanging out and gets shoe-tackled out there. So I'm going to do my best to take a real hard look at Kamal Martin and be deliberate about watching him before his injury. Because again, presumably he's injured, he's playing at 80%. Now in the, during this time he's fully healing, so he's going to be back to 100% by the time he's playing for the Packers again, which is the, the rationale behind behind why you watch him when he's healthy as opposed to when he's injured. Relatively self-explanatory, but the reason I bring it up is because you also need to take into account that maybe he's not going to fully recover from this injury. Pretty unlikely, but it's possible. He may have lost a step. 
The only thing I also want to add is I don't put a lot of stock in coaches calling in and saying, hey, this guy's a stud you don't even understand. These guys are always going to back their guys. At the end of the day, I'm looking at a fifth-round linebacker. One year after everybody got super excited about a seventh-round linebacker, Ty Summers, everybody was so excited. You don't understand. You watch the speed. You look at all this. He could really da-da-da-da-da. Oren Burks was the same thing. He was a third-round linebacker. Got all this speed. Everybody was so excited about him. And again, most draft picks don't hit. I'm not picking on anybody or on uh, Ted Tom or uh, Brian Gutekunst or anything like that. But I'm just coming to this with the realization that even first-round picks are iffy. By the time you get to the fifth round, it's very, very iffy. And now we're talking about a linebacker that's seemingly a little bit stiff. He's a big hitter, but he doesn't even have necessarily those real NFL traits to make you a great linebacker. I think my ceiling for my expectations or hopes is that he's going to be a really good situational run defender. And if he exceeds those expectations, awesome. And then finally, this is probably going to be a relatively short episode, apparently, because I've only got one other thing I want to talk about. There was somewhat of a firestorm all over Twitter because Mr. Graziano, again, I don't know who any of these people are, said on ESPN that he is predicting Jordan Love is going to win more Super Bowls than Aaron Rodgers. And even as I'm watching the clip, there's there's the panel. There's a panel of four guys, including Graziano, and everybody's just freaking out like, oh, I can't believe you just said that. We do know that Aaron Rodgers has won one Super Bowl, right? That's the bar. He didn't say, I think, Jordan Love is even going to be a better quarterback. No, I mean, look, it it is a bold prediction because Jordan Love's going to have to win two Super Bowls and Aaron Rodgers is going to have to win none in the next two, three years, whatever it is. Could be four, I don't know. So So it is a bold prediction, but it's not a ridiculous prediction. We better hope it's not. That's the other thing that's weird about it. You got Packer fans who are mad about that prediction. Dude, <laughs> if that upsets you, that's a weird thing to be upset about. Because if Jordan Love doesn't win more Super Bowls, then we know Jordan Love probably isn't going to pan out. Either he's not going to be the quarterback of the future, which is not good news. I know we want to defend Aaron Rodgers and hope that he plays for the next 40 years, but he's going to be out of here in the next at least, you know, at, at the most probably four years. So if Jordan Love doesn't win more Super Bowls, it means either A, he's not a good quarterback and we're in trouble because we may not find one, or B, he is going to be the next quarterback, and again, we're not going to get a lot of Super Bowls out of it. He's going to be the third in a long line of really good quarterbacks that isn't winning Super Bowls. Neither of those are good situations. So again, it's not a prediction necessarily that Jordan Love is going to be even better than Aaron Rodgers. He didn't say that. Essentially, his argument is, I think, I mean, this is the bold aspect of it. I think Jordan Love is going to win two Super Bowls, and Aaron Rodgers is not going to win any more. Again, the bold part of that has nothing really to do with Aaron Rodgers. And we feel like it is, like, oh, he's attacking Aaron Rodgers. No, he's not. Nobody should assume Aaron Rodgers is going to win another Super Bowl in, in the next two years, considering he's won one in 15 years. The bold part is that Jordan Love is going to win at least two Super Bowls. That's bold, and it's nothing for Packer fans to get upset about. It's ridiculous. Of course it is. This is ESPN. They're, they're trying to be ridiculous and trying to stir up things and trying to get people like me to talk about stuff like this. Well done. But if anything, it should be the other fan bases that are upset. He just said Jordan Love is going to win at least two Super Bowls. Not something for Packer fans to be mad about. It's just, it's just weird. I don't know. I, n- I never actually asked anybody that was flipping out on Twitter about it. Like, what, what, what part of this offends you? I agree with you that he's probably wrong. But what part of I believe Jordan Love will win at least two Super Bowls with the Green Bay Packers has got you flustered as a Packers fan? Because that just, especially at a time when the Packers get no love from anybody. It, we used to get all the love. I remember Bears fans, Vikings fans, just the 
they must have just been sick to their stomach with how much love the Packers got 24-7, right? We had our turn for, geez, what was it? I don't know how many years. Well, you know, the, the, the Packers were always predicted to win the Super Bowl in the NFC, in, in the well, for the NFC. And if they weren't, they were close. They were a close second. It was so-and-so picked the Steelers and the Packers. Somebody else picked the Colts and the Packers. Maybe somebody else picked the Saints and the Colts, you know, whatever. But it's it, they're always in the mix. But now they're just getting kicked over and over. Aaron Rodgers is washed up. Aaron Rodgers is a problem. Aaron Rodgers is a cancer. This Packers team is no good. They don't know how to draft. Gutekunst is a joke. Even when Ted Thompson wasn't doing a good job anymore, the media couldn't help but be just gushing over how much they loved the guy. Just out of respect. Because everybody respected the Packers. You respect Mike McCarthy, Ted Thompson. You respect the organization, the institution, the quarterbacks, the fact that they win. It's just... If you want to sound smart, you praise the Packers. Now, if you want to smart, sound smart, you trash the Packers. And that's all we get 24 hours a day. Packers are a joke. Ha, ha, ha. They're terrible. They didn't do anything to help Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers should get out of here. If I was him, I'd leave. I would hate the Packers if I was him. Also, he's a cancer. So wherever he goes is going to be a nightmare. But at the very least, he needs to get out of there because they hate him and they're not doing anything for him. And over and over and over. And, and the one guy that steps up and he's like, oh, by the way, Jordan Love is a great pick. He's going to win two Super Bowls at least. Packer fans are like, I can't handle that. I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm out of here. I'm done. How dare you? What is, what is, way, whoa. It is silly. I agree. But let's pretend this is real. Let's, let's back this guy up. Let's support media members that are coming in saying stuff like that. Because if even Packer fans are going for this guy's throat, good luck getting support ever again. So again, if, if this bothered you, please tell me why, because I'm confused. Of course it's a ridiculous prediction. That's what all these are. That's what a bold prediction is supposed to be, especially when you're, again, national media. It's got to be crazy. If it's slightly bold but reasonable, everyone's going to go, oh, yeah, no, good one. Anyways, moving on. Good luck writing articles on that one. Thanks a lot. Make no money off that prediction. I'm all for it. I hope he's right. I hope Jordan Love wins more Super Bowls than Aaron Rodgers, because that means we win two Super Bowls at least with Jordan Love. I can't begin to tell you how amazing that would be. Let, Let me even take that a step further. Big fan of Aaron Rodgers. If you told me right now, Jordan Love is the future. He is going to come in. He is going to execute this offensive system to perfection. He is going to win multiple Super Bowls starting the moment he comes into Green Bay. The Packers are basically going to be a dynasty. The condition is Aaron Rodgers has to go right now. How long do you think I'm going to hesitate before I call up Aaron Rodgers and tell him to pack his stuff and get out? Answer, however long it takes me to take my phone out of my pocket and dial his phone number. That's how long it's going to take. Now, all this is made up fantasy land, but again, it's just to kind of solidify the point. I just want the team to win Super Bowls. And a guy made a prediction that the, that our next quarterback is Jordan Love is going to win a bunch of Super Bowls, and that's exciting to me. I, I don't know. I, you know. I guess the defend Aaron Rodgers reflex just kind of kicked in for people, which is fine, but just, again, pick your battles, man. This is not the one. Anyways, as I said going to be relatively short i guess today i got to get going you folks have yourselves a fantastic wednesday pretty sure i will talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye-bye